Hello, welcome to the Grace Apostolic Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you joined us. We hope this podcast serves as a tool that encourages you and helps you navigate through this journey called life. If you wouldn't mind, we would greatly appreciate it if you would subscribe and review this podcast channel. Your feedback matters, and we want to serve you to the best of our abilities. Thank you so much. Let's go to the Word. Turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. Chapter number 9. Starting at verse number 24. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. Paul says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. You know, we've kind of, we kind of hand out those participation trophies people that worked really hard and kids that did really good and so you had first place but everyone else gets something back in those days not everybody got gold silver or bronze one person right do you know how hard you got to run to be only one prize given out it wasn't like well i got silver it's, it's still good no no there was only one prize and paul's they knew that back then they knew how the runners and the games weren't were back there and he says only one wins a prize when they, when they race. <clears throat> but one received the prize, so run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. What we're running for is much more important than what they're running for, is what he's telling the church. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Now if anybody's ever been anything, if you've ever been any type of sports person, anything, you've done anything that you've had to compete with, you understand what he's saying here. You didn't just go out to the mat just because you thought it was great, but you prepared and you trained and you brought your body under subjection. Do you know that we, if we see that in the natural, you're not going to just get to heaven without doing anything? Just showing up and saying, well, I died, so I ought to go to heaven. No, no, no. You're going to have to prepare for that day. You're going to have to bring your mind under subjection, your, your flesh under subjection. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Only one wins the prize. Praise God that not only one person gets to go to heaven. How many of you in here think if only one person for what they've done on earth gets to go to heaven, that it'd be you? I just want to hang out with you for a bit. I just want to see who you are. I promise you there's people that have given their bodies over much more than I have. They've sacrificed a lot more for Jesus than I have. And I'm glad I don't have to stand up before them in heaven and say, Lord, between them or me, who, who do you think is the one that, that worked hardest and, and did more for your name because only one gets? I, I don't think I would get in. 
When you think about the, 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 the saints of old that have written books, they've written books about what they've done and how they have given their lives. But Paul says, but you have to live your life like only one person's going to get to heaven. Now, if only one person's getting to heaven between me and Brother Ramsey, Brother Ramsey, I'm sorry, bro. You're done. I, I'm, I'm going for it. It's like the two, two hikers were in the mountains. And all of a sudden, they were going down the path, and they came across a big she-bear with her, her cubs, and she gets back on her back legs, and one guy gets down starts tying his shoes. But he says, man, you can't outrun that bear. He said, I don't have to outrun that bear. i got to outrun you. If one guy's a lunch, it ain't going to be me. It's going to be you, pal, and I'll tell your wife that you missed her and loved her and all those other good things. But I... And the same thing goes for us in our walk with God. You've got to live every day like there's only going to be one person getting to heaven. If only one person makes it, I'm going to make sure that person is me. Because we're not talking about running for gold, silver, or bronze. We're talking about eternity forever with Jesus. You don't haphazardly run that race. You don't just barely get up and say, well, I suppose maybe I, I can do something for God. No, I'm talking about, you're talking about forever with Jesus. It's either heaven or it's hell. It's not, it's not maybe or if. I'm telling you, you better run with everything you've got if you're going to make it for Jesus Christ. Talk to you for a minute on run to win. You better run to win. You don't run for second or third place. You, you don't run on, on the heels of mom and dad or grandpa and grandma, but every one of us has a race to, to, to run and a race to win. you got to run it for yourself. I want to talk to you about running to win. Everyone say man, they're reading the word. You may be seated. The book of Corinthians is a letter that Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. It's one of the epistles that Paul writes. Paul couldn't be everywhere that he wanted to be. He wasn't omnipresent, so what he would do the best he could, he'd hear news from different churches and what's going on, and he'd get the, the latest gossip, if you would. And so based on what he hears from the churches, Paul would then write a letter dealing with the issues of the church. Imagine being a church, trying to come together and have church, and having all these problems, you've got to wait for a letter to get here and figure everything out. That's kind of where they were, and, and Paul understood in the Corinthian church that he understood for these people in that church, living their faith for Jesus wasn't the easiest thing to do in their culture. Being assembled as a church wasn't convenient for their lifestyle. There were many things that this young, fledgling church faced that others didn't have to face in their day. Things that their neighbors didn't have to go through. Things that other families didn't have to face. But because they were Christians and because they were part of a church, they had to face things that sometimes were struggles for them. Paul knew this. It's a young church. He's got to write all these things to this church. He's trying to encourage them. One thing they faced was racism in their church. Within the Corinthian church, 
were worshipers that consisted of both Jews and Gentiles. It wasn't just a Gentile church, and it wasn't just a Jewish church. It was a Jewish-Gentile converted church. We understand that we know in history when salvation came to the Gentiles, that Peter and the other Jews that were part of the upper room experience When they saw the Holy Ghost fall on the Gentiles, the Bible says they of the circumcision were astonished that on the Gentiles also fell the gift of the Holy Ghost. They said to each other, we're astonished. Wow, we're really surprised. In other words, that's a nice way of saying, I can't believe dogs could get in this thing. And that's really what they're thinking. We're astonished, but really, God, these are dogs, man. This is a precious truth, and here we're astonished because we understand we are of the bloodline of Abraham, but now you're letting these dirty dogs into our church. And so you can understand many of the Jews were reluctant to welcome them into the church. And so now... It's not just a Jewish church, it's a multicultural church. Anyone on the outside of this church would look at this with contempt. Any non-Christian Jew would look at their brother Christian Jews as reprobates. The Jews and Gentiles outside of the church would have no dealing with each other on the outside. But praise God, inside the church, it worked. Ephesians 2.14, Paul says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. In other words, the Holy Ghost had broken down the walls of partition between the Jewish man and the Gentile man and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. Can I tell you something today? In a broken world, the the church is not broken. What doesn't work in the world uh, should be able to work in the church. There is no skin color in the eyes of God. We are all part of the same church. We may be a church of different colors and different backgrounds but when we come together we all lift up the same name of Jesus and it all makes us part of the wonderful church and what makes us different makes us powerful and what makes us different gives us glory and praise and honor to Jesus Christ Because with one blood, we've been baptized into one family in Jesus Christ. I don't have white friends and I don't have black friends. I don't have yellow friends and, and red, red friends outside the church. And all of a sudden, then all of a sudden I say, oh, we're all together. No, no, no. What I am in here is what I am out there. Why? Because in a racism and what a, a world we're living in, there ought to be someone that sees people as souls beyond a skin color, beyond a culture. They've been called by God. They're souls unto Jesus Christ. 
And just because the world is broken does not mean the church has to be broken. There's a problem when racism makes its way into the church. So, not only are they dealing with this new culture change that they have to deal with in the church, but another thing they're dealing with as a young church is they're a, a church of new converts. Um, so, not only do they deal with cultural shock in that time, but they're also dealt with overcoming their own sins of the world as well. Paul dealt with them many times, allowing doors to be opened in their lives, things they were going back to, things they were dealing with, things they didn't kill. Now, I know that we live in a very lewd world today, but so do these Gentiles, some would say even worse than today. These Gentiles came out of a community of idol worshipers, full of pagan rituals, all sorts of debauchery. And some of the saints in the Corinthian church still hadn't shut the door on their past lives. Just because you come out of the world doesn't mean you get rid of your cigarettes right away. Just because you come out of the world doesn't mean you're straightened right then. There are some things because of the worldly hooks in us that even after you've been baptized in Jesus' name, and even though you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, that your body and mind still craves. Praise God, I, I believe that. Now we can get in the church and say, oh, I'm, I'm so, I don't even get touched by the world, I'm so good, I'm so powerful. I'm telling you, you can be here 15, 20 years, and there's a natural inclination to your mind and body that still wants to go back to the things of the world. I know it's crazy, but it happens. Imagine these new converts. All around their culture, they're seeing temples to all these gods doing all these things that they at one time were a part of just a year or so ago. And now they're going, instead of going right, they're going left to go praise Jesus. But you can understand, for them, it was a struggle. They were still involved in some things and some of the worldliness and began to seep in. Especially with some of them, using this newfound freedom of worship and grace to do whatever they wanted to do. Oh, I praise God, I feel the love tonight, and I'm going to love Jesus, so I'm just going to go ahead and do, do whatever I want. No, you can't do that. There's still some rules in place. So, so they're trying to find their way. And I'm laying a little bit of foundation to tell you why Paul writes what he writes. They're trying to find their way. They've got culture issues. They, they're trying to find their way. They're brand new. They're trying to do all things right. So understand some of you, most of you. When most of you came to church, you, you were already connected to someone that possibly was already seasoned in the church. When you came to church for the first time and you were a new convert or whatever, when you came to church, you were part of a church that was already connected to another body of churches. So when you came in, you, you immediately could go to rallies. You could go to revivals. You could hear the greatest preaching. And you were around seasoned saints that could help lead you in areas that you didn't know how to do yourself. Does that make sense? Understand for the Corinthian church, they were the first generation of their kind. 
They had no seasoned preachers that had been there for years. They're just a, a bunch of people that believed in their heart. They received the Holy Ghost. They're baptized and they're all together in this conglomeration of people. But they're trying to figure out their own culture, their church. So you understand how that can be different for us today. When you step out of line today as a young man, you have seasoned men that have been in the truth for 25, 30 years and say, you shouldn't be doing that. And you, so you can understand, so this is hard for this new church. Because they are the culture. They are the ones figuring out together. They have the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost directing them. And they have letters every once in a while from Paul. But they're still trying to figure out their way. Also, they're facing persecution. Imagine that. I get so nervous when I hear of a new convert losing their job. I'm like, oh man, I wish they would have had a better job given to them. Or just, you know, because you understand when someone's new in their faith and they go through something, you're thinking, oh man, they're going to blame God, they're going to blame the church, they're going to quit coming to church because when you're fresh and you're young and you have no roots, the first thing you do during ob- uh, 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 observation obstacles that come your way, the first thing you do is you just want to quit and go right back to what you know. So imagine these people are being persecuted by the way they didn't have to be persecuted if they didn't want to be. All they had to do was quit going to church. All they had to do is go back to what they were doing, and guess what? They would fall right in place with everybody else. No one would pick on them. No one would call them Jesus freaks. No one would make fun of them. But they chose to go to church. What did Paul say about it? He said in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. So here they're dealing with racism. They're dealing with their own sin issue. They're dealing with persecution. They're dealing with inequality of rich people and poor people all in one church. Talk about church problems. Talk about a church that's making, but guess what? In spite of all the things they're facing and all the things they're, they're fighting against, there continues to thrive a church in the metropolis of Corinthians. And so... For any one of these situations, for any one of these predicaments that the church is facing, Paul could see the tendency for someone in the church to stumble. And for someone to ask the question, well, is it really worth it for me to keep coming to this church any longer? Is it really worth it for me to keep pushing forward when all my friends have forsaken me? When, my, when, when everyone that I know has left me behind and some of the church, maybe Paul could tell, they were getting tired from the onslaught. They were getting tired from the daily grind and they're wanting to quit that possibly at that moment in time, Paul gives a rally cry to a sleepy church to a church that may be giving up that Paul then speaks the word know ye not that they which run in a race run all but but one receive the prize so run that you may obtain shake yourselves 
We're running in this race. Now is not the time to give up is what Paul is saying. And what Paul's doing is he's, he's doing exactly what Jesus did during the days when Jesus would teach. He would give illustrations to explain what the kingdom of God was and the kingdom of heaven was. Jesus would often say that heaven, heaven is like a field. The kingdom of heaven is as a seed. Heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. What Jesus would do is he would give them uh, mental pictures to enlighten them and hopefully encourage them to continue running the race. And so Paul is doing the exact same thing. He's not just quoting from the Old Testament, but he's giving them an example and an illustration of Romans or racers running in a race. Now the people that are reading this letter in Corinth, they know very well what Paul is talking about. They are deep because these people are, he's talking about what they'd be familiar with was the Isthmian games that actually took place in Corinth. The Isthmian Games, kind of like our Olympics today. It wasn't, it wasn't quite the Olympics, Olympics back then, but it was still a very big event that people would train and run for and, and come from all over just to come to Isthmia to run in this game. In these games, athletes would gather from all over the continent, all over the lands, for their particular event, they would spend their youth and their energy on nothing more than to obtain a corruptible crown made of pine leaves or ivy. And Paul is using this illustration to rally the Corinthian church that maybe he sees some of them letting up. Maybe some in the Corinthian church are not striving after Jesus like they did the first couple weeks they met him. Maybe for some in the church, worldly influences have taken their toll on some of these believers, or maybe they let their Holy Ghost grow cold. And, but, and when Paul saw that, Paul rallies them around to try to remind them, know you not, that they which run in a race run all. And so I wonder if Grace Apostolic Church could use a reminder. We are running a race. It's not to win a corruptible crown, but we are running for eternity. I wish I didn't see this, but oftentimes I see it on people's faces. People that are letting up, people whose resolve is being deteriorated, some are worn out by life. Others, are worldly influences have started attacking our priorities in the house of God, our priorities for Jesus Christ. But I've come to tell the Grace Apostolic Church, I know we're seeing people fall away at unprecedented rates. I know we have some churches giving up the fight. But I've come to tell you one more time, now is not the time to quit. But now you must keep on running. This race does matter. It's more important than silver and gold. We're running for heaven. We're running for eternity. You've got to run to win. Paul said, they which run a race run all. 
They run all. In other words, when they got involved in that race, they ran with everything they had. They held nothing back. But when they entered that race, they entered that race to win. They left nothing on the field to talk about. They went back to that locker room whether they won or lost, saying, I gave my all. I did my best. I lived and I sought and I tried the best I could, whether they, their team lost. But when they got into the race, they had a mindset, when I start the race, I'm going to run all. I'm just here. I probably won't win anyways. I mean, I never win anything. I mean, there's bigger guys here. There's, I, I remember, I remember, I remember when I was swimming, and, and I'd have kids, man, they'd come with mohawks, and man, they were 10 years old, and they're all ripped and stuff. They had muscles everywhere, you know, and, 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 and we had heat, different heats, heat one, heat two, heat three, whatever fastest heat you would go, you know, first, second, third, you know, and I remember being, and, and they'd make you sit next to these kids, and man, I would, I would, I would sit in these seats, wait to get on the, on the blocks, you know, and I would be looking at these kids next to me, and I was thin, I was tall, but I was real thin, didn't have a, I mean, had some muscles here and there, but I didn't really look like these guys, I mean, these guys look like warriors, you know, and I, they got mohawks, man, they got dyed hair, man, I'm, I'm nervous based on what they look like, but in each of our cards, we have our heat, and we have our fastest time, and so when I'm, when I'm sitting in the first chair of the heat, I'm looking at my card, and I'm looking at all these guys who look bigger, who look like better swimmers than me, but I look at my card, and I look at my time on the card, and my time on my card says, my best time is two seconds faster than the kid that looks like the warrior next to me. So guess what I do? I trust what I've done in the past, and I know what I can do. And so let me tell some of you something. Sometimes we get obstacles that come our way, and we get challenges, and you wonder, can I make it through this? Just remember who your God is. Just remember what he's already done. And when you start running, you run with everything you've got. Don't just haphazardly run, but run for eternity. I know what Jesus did. I know what the cross did. I will win and I will run the best of my ability. Too often, I see people living but not living to win. They might be at church but their effort is less than their best. Young people that are stronger than me, that probably don't have any pains in their body, but I outjump them in church as an old man at 42. People that have ability and power and strength, but don't use their bodies for the glory of God in their worship. They're happy with a hand clap. They're happy with a head nod, but they give, their, they give their least efforts in the house of God. Now, you get them on a basketball court, they're going to do the best they can, but when they come to the house of God, they let up and don't give their best. Can I tell you, there's some people that have their focus more on the world than they have on the church house. 
They have more thoughts towards the things their friends are doing than what's happening in the house of God. Can I tell you, it's time that we shake ourselves as a church. There is no other options. The only option we have is to win. I have not, I did not, I did not get in this thing to lose. I did not come to this thing for second place. But rather every time I get in the house of God, I want to give my best praise. I want to give my best worship. I want to let God know I'm still here. I'm still praising. I'm still excited about what God has done in my life. I tell you what we better do. We better fight for our worship. We better fight for what God has given us. You better fight for the strength that God has put in your system. You better fight for the Holy Ghost. You better fight for Jesus' name, baptism. You better fight for it. Every time... Every time you come to the house of God, man, you ought to say, man, I left all my worship in the house of God. Man, I left that place. I gave, I gave God praise and glory, and I let that devil know what was up. Let me tell you something. Every day the devil brings something at you. Every day the devil brings it your way. I say when you get to church on a Sunday, you ought to take your praise and worship and shove it down the devil's throat and let that devil know I'm in this to win it. I'm keep, I'm going. I'm on the winning side. I will not be beat. I am a winner today. How would we just stand on our feet and give God some praise right now? Oh, hallelujah. Come on, if you've got breath in your body, you ought to be giving God praise today. Shove that right back at him. I'm still here. I'm still praising God. I'm here to win it. Stay standing. Stay standing. I'm going to close this sermon 10, 15 minutes short. Is that okay? But I want to read something to you, a couple things. I want to read to you, and we're going to have an altar call here. Some of you have been beaten up. The devil's been coming after you. You're tired. You're weary. You got things going on in your mind. You're trying to get over these things. I'm telling you, you, God did not give you his spirit, and God did not fill you with his power just for you to fall flat during the race. But there is a power within you if you'd tap back into it again, if you'd go back to that well again. I'm telling you, there's people in here that you're going to see more excitement and joy in the Holy Ghost in the next couple minutes than you've seen in two or three years. A sports shoe company ran an advertisement in the 1996 Olympics with this tagline, you do not win the silver medal, you lose the gold. In other words, the athlete enters the competition with the goal of winning the event, not losing it. The legendary coach, Vince Lombardi, tried to instill this winning attitude in his football players when he said, winning is not everything, it is the only thing. On an epitaph 
on a monument at Olympia in Greece is given to a boxer named Agathus Damon from Alexandria. It reads, Here he died boxing in the stadium, having prayed to Zeus for a wreath or death. Age 35, farewell. For that competitor, second place was not an option. He got into that ring praying to Zeus. Zeus, either I die or I win. But I'm going to do one or the other. How can it be that competitors through the history of time can be so excited to get their mind wrapped around so much just winning a headband? And we of the people of the name have the greatest truth in the world. And God has given us the greatest power and authority that mankind has ever seen. And we just barely live for Jesus. We go to school and we don't tell anybody about him. We go to work and we stay in our own cubicle. Oh, that there might be a resolve like a boxer that says either I'm going to die or I'm going to win. But I'm not going to give my less than best. I'm going to strive for everything that I have. And if we don't push for our walk with God, if we don't run this race every day to win, if you don't, if you don't run every day to overcome, I promise you it's not going to be very long that you're going to be just like Demas. Demas have forsaken me loving this present world and forgetting me and forsaking me. And I wonder how many people. The devil like Jesus took him to a desert place is here. You don't have to keep running so hard. I got an easy way out. There's a shortcut. If you just bow, bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these things. All the armies that stood before Christ, if you just, if you just worship me, I'll give these all to you. And so here we are in our race. and We're trying to run for Jesus. We're running with everything. And all of a sudden, we, <clears throat> you can have that girlfriend, but you can't be so apostolic. You just got to kind of you can have that relationship with that boy, man, he's looking your way, and, but you can't be so dogmatic. Pastor, you can have a large church and people will know your name and people will, you, you'll have a, a sellout crowd every Sunday, but you can't be so dogmatic about the doctrine. People just don't like that. And we're running. You got to get your head down. You got to get your mind to the game. You got to realize this is more than gold, silver, and bronze. There is only one chance. It's a point that a man wants to die. I've got one chance. There are no redos. There is no rewind. I can only go forward. I can't go backward. You've got to run with everything that you've got. Because if you don't run to win, you will lose. If you don't run to make Jesus Christ the center of your life, you will lose. Because you lost focus and you've lost your heart. But oh, I'm praying that God would rebaptize us with fresh fire and fresh zeal. That we would get back in the game. That we'd we would put away that white towel and realize I've got more to give. I'm going to give it to God. I wonder, I wonder who would come and respond to this right now. I wonder who would come and say, Lord, put me back in that race. I'm ready to run. 
I'm ready to run. I'm ready to run. Come on with everything that you got. Come on with everything you got. Thank you again for joining us here at Grace Apostolic Church. Hopefully this message spoke to you as it did for many others. Grace Apostolic Church is a church family that you can be a part of. If you would like to connect to the church, the best way would be to visit our website at gacclawson.org or visit one of our services. Our service times are Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7.30 p.m. For more information, you can go online at gacclawson.org. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.